But that's not why so many people bought it. They bought that book because of the title. It grasped their uh, imagination and dealt with a question that people struggle with all the time. You know what the name of the book was? Where is God when it hurts? Where is God when it hurts? That's a question that most of us ask at some time or another in our lives. You know, having been here now for eight years, as I look around this congregation, I recognize that I've seen an awful lot of people who have gone through real seasons of hurt in their lives. As I look around, I can recognize people who have lost those they love, folks who have faced their own mortality in some special ways, people who have gone through some real agony and through some real seasons of struggle. And we recognize that's a question that all of us are asking. Where is God when it hurts? If God loves us, why does he allow bad things to happen in our lives? Just this weekend, as a church, we're gathered together around Jan Barr and her family as we've lost David Barr, one of our own members, just this weekend. Over the years, I have been with families that have dealt with all kinds of struggles and suffering. I have been with those who have lost the very young. I've been with those who have lost someone in the prime of life. I've been with folks who lost people they loved dearly at the end of life. I've been with people who went through tragedy very unexpectedly. I've walked with people through those long seasons of suffering. And just like you, sometimes I ask that question, why does God let this happen? After all, we're his children. We're believers. We belong to Jesus. Shouldn't that mean something? Shouldn't that mean that we shouldn't have to endure the diseases and disappointments and heartaches that afflict the rest of the world? Why doesn't God step in and take care of his own? I love the answer that Stephen Brown gives to that question. Stephen Brown says this. He says, I believe that for every lost person that endures cancer, there's a Christian who endures cancer. For every lost person who undergoes a heart attack, there's a Christian who has a heart attack. For every lost person who loses someone precious to them, there's a Christian who loses someone precious to them. And this is what he says. Because the world needs to see the difference. And how you respond to the worst seasons of life. And that's one of the reasons that God doesn't protect his people from heartache and struggle. Where is God when it hurts? The 23rd Psalm gives us an answer. It may not be the answer you want. It may not be the one you expect. But it's God's answer. And you can depend upon it. Whatever may come your way. It reveals some realities that the Lord wants you to understand. In those times when everything hurts. 
And I want us to seek that out in the Word of God today. There's some things that you just need to know. You may not particularly want to know them. You might even be a little uncomfortable when you hear them. But they're God's real answer from God's real word. The first reality is this. You are going to walk through the darkness. You are going to walk through the darkness. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, one of the reasons that the Bible is so trustworthy is because it describes things the way they really are. Not the way you wish they could be. There's nothing sugar-coated about Scripture. When you explore the lives of the great figures of the Bible, you discover their faith, but you also discover their flaws. You discover their victories, but you also experience their struggles, and you recognize they go through life, they went through life the same way you and I are going through life. The Bible is very real. It doesn't dress up reality in the clothing of a fantasy. And the Bible says it clearly. Dark days will come for all of us. The 23rd Psalm says the valley of the shadow of death is not a matter of if but when. He says, yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Times are coming when you're going to find yourself in that place. Some of us may be in that place today. We're in the midst of a shadow, a valley of shadow. And while it may not have anything to do with death, it has everything to do with loss or struggle or grief or discouragement. Some of us may not be there. But that day is coming. David knew the valley was real. He'd been in its shadow way too many times. He faced Goliath knowing if God didn't step in, he was going to die. He'd seen the devastation caused by his own lustful sins. Across his lifetime, David had to stand by helplessly as one child died as an infant. And another died as a defiant rebel. He knew all too well the pain of grief and loss. And David did not refer to the valley carelessly. And neither should we. Here's the truth. We live in a world that is broken. Adam's sin infected more than our souls The Bible says Adam's sin corrupted the very creation around us. That you're going to live out your lifetime. And so am I in the midst of a world that is full of struggle and pain and loss and death. And as long as we live in this world, the shadow is going to fall across us sometimes. You've heard me say it before. You'll probably hear me say it again. There's only three kinds of people in this world. There are people who have suffered And there are people who are suffering, and there are people who will suffer. And that's the only kinds of people there are. The valley of the shadow will touch us all. So whatever you think this morning, 
don't think you're the one who's bulletproof. Don't think this is a message for somebody else. The shadow is going to fall, and it's going to fall upon us all. And if that's not enough, David also tells us this. And evil is real. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David knew firsthand about the power of evil. He had dealt with the, the presence of evil all around him. He knew what it was like to be on the run for his life. He knew what it was like to be condemned and hated. He understood that this world can be a very wicked place. But he was also very familiar with the capacity for evil within himself because he had made sinful decisions that at one point he would have said, I will never face this kind of choice. I will never fall and fail. And yet he did. So David's not saying evil's not real. Instead, he declared he would not be afraid in the presence of evil. Evil is both personal and it is intentional. Evil is real because the devil is real. Not as a little man with a tail and a pitchfork, but the way the Bible reveals him, the father of lies, a roaring lion, one who makes himself appear as an angel of light, as a deceiver, as one who is constantly seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says we live in a world that has a very personal evil that hates God, and because he hates God, he hates you, and because he hates you, he's seeking ways to do destructive things in the lives of the people who belong to Jesus. He is constantly seeking to damage lives, to harm homes, to compromise character, to take away all hope and all truth. Evil is real because the devil is real. But that's not all. The Bible also says this. And evil is real because people choose to sin. We choose to commit evil acts. We make the decision to reject the Lord and his will. We do things that are destructive spiritually and physically. We know what is right. We choose to do what is wrong. And when people choose the path of sin, two things happen. One thing is they hurt themselves. In this world and in eternity, when you choose the path of evil, it leads in one direction, and that direction is away from the Lord. And unless something happens that intervenes, and unless you make a saving decision and have a, an encounter with Christ that transforms eternity, you are without God and without hope in this world and in eternity to come. But not only do they hurt themselves, they also hurt others. Sometimes deliberately, sometimes unintentionally. But other people always get hurt. When you choose the path of evil, you can never say to yourself, well, so what? If I do wrong, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. That is almost always a lie. Other people are always involved. Other people are always affected. Other people are always hurt. Because that is the nature of sin. It is always destructive. So David understood. We're going to spend our lives in a world in which evil is both present and active. 
And so the valley of the shadow is real. And evil will always be present. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Hasn't this been uplifting? Or do you feel like you ought to go home and pull the covers over your head and hide from the world? Here's what the Lord wants you to know. You can walk through the shadows and find yourself in the presence of evil and not be afraid. Why? Why? Well, because of what David tells us in the 23rd Psalm. He tells us, you're going to walk through the shadows. He tells us, you're going to live your life in a world where evil is very present. But then he says this. In the midst of it all, God is with you. It's one of the most hopeful statements in the Bible. He says, for you are with me. You are with me. God, I don't know what the future is going to bring. I don't know what's going to happen to me today. I surely don't know what's going to happen in the long run. But you know what I do know? I know, Lord, you're with me. Whatever may come, you're with me. Whatever I face, you're with me. No matter how I struggle, you're with me. There's never going to be a time in my life when I cannot say that. Lord, you are with me. Remember the question at the beginning of this message? Where is God when it hurts? Well, here's the answer. He is with you. Right where you are. You know, one of the things that makes suffering so confusing is many people feel like the valley of the shadow means the Lord has abandoned them. They think, I've done something wrong and God doesn't care anymore or God's lost track of me and and he doesn't know what I'm going through or somehow I've deserved this. And so we wonder, where is God? I'm going through the shadows. I'm in the darkness. I don't know where to turn. What have I done wrong? Someone they love is killed by a drunk driver and they wonder why God took them. Someone else sits in a doctor's office and hears a terrifying diagnosis and they wonder, why would God do this to me? People experience suffering and sadness and pain and wonder, how could a loving God do these things that that have broken my heart? So important to hear what the Bible says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In the midst of the darkness, there he is. And there's something else you need to always remember, and it is this. The valley of the shadow never comes from the Lord's hand. When those dark places come, we don't have to ask the question, why did God do this? Why would God bring this about? How do I know that the valley of the shadow is never from the Lord? Because that's what the Bible tells us. 1 John 1, 5 declares, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. No darkness. No darkness. 
When you find yourself in darkness, turn to Jesus. His light overcomes the darkness. That's what the Bible says. It says your shepherd is with you and he'll show you the way through anything this world can throw at you. I can live with hope because, Lord, I know this. In the midst of what the darkness does, you are there. And when you come, when your light shines, the darkness has to flee. Because you alone are Lord. But David's not through yet. He says this, he is with you and he will deliver you. Here's the great promise. He is not passively with you. He is actively committed to protecting you. You know, I think sometimes when we hear this message, if we're not careful, we don't hear enough. What we hear is, when I'm in trouble, when I'm afraid, when I'm going through grief, when I have been affected by evil, God is with me, but he's just kind of standing there wringing his hands. And wishing he could do something about it. But he really doesn't get that involved. He's just kind of there to pat you on the back. And tell you it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That is not at all what David describes. What does he say? He says you are with me. And the very next statement is this. And your rod and your staff they comfort me. The rod and the staff were basic equipment for every shepherd as weapons of deliverance. This is what he did to take care of his flock. This is what he did actively to take care of those who belonged to his own. The rod was a heavy, straight stick. If I were going to tell you what a rod was like, I would say, imagine a long baseball bat. Heavy, hard, and strong. The rod had a very specific purpose in the life of a shepherd. It was to fight off bears and lions and any predator that threatened his flock. If you come around and you seek to harm my sheep, I'm going to tell you I am there and I'm there with my rod. It was a weapon to defend his sheep from what others would do. And when the shepherd stepped in and he used his rod, he used his rod powerfully, he used it directly, and he used it specifically. When that predator came, the shepherd stepped in to defend his own. The staff, on the other hand, was a long rod with a crook on the end. That's what you see at the Christmas pageant. And the rod had a completely different purpose. It was used to rescue the sheep from what they had done to themselves. When they fell down into a ravine, when they separated themselves from the flock, when they were going the wrong way, then the shepherd would step in and deliver the sheep from its own mistakes. If, you don't, if I don't stop you, you're going to hurt yourself. So here I come, and I'm going to stop you just in time. And the Lord's done the same thing in the lives of his people. Sometimes he uses his rod to deliver me from what others would do to me. Sometimes he uses his staff to deliver me from what I do to myself. Sometimes he uses his rod and his staff when we're under attack from the devil. And he comes in and number one, he delivers us from the evil one. But number two, he jerks us back. 
From the past we've decided we're going to go because we're listening to the voice of that one who is the father of lies. And we're about to get ourselves in trouble and he steps in. What is it describing? David is describing a good shepherd, a God, a Lord who actively takes care of his own. One of the things you need to know is this. While you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow, while you're going to find yourself in the presence of evil, you don't have to be afraid because you have a God who is actively at work on behalf of his own. And he's not standing back and he's not wringing his hand and he's not worried about what's going to happen next. He already knows. He has the power. He has the light. He has the ability to deliver those who belong to him. And he's going to do it. May not be in your timing. It may not be in the way you thought he would do it. But he's going to deliver you. Even at the end of life. I'll never forget years ago with a family who had a loved one who spent weeks in intensive care. Weeks. And I would go in with one family member and then another and always we would pray the same prayer. We would pray that the Lord would make her well. We prayed, prayed desperately for the Lord to make her well. Then one day I went by the hospital and went in with family members and we stood at the bed and the time came to pray and the Holy Spirit told me to pray a different kind of prayer. And this is what I did. Instead of praying, Lord, will you make her well? I prayed, Lord, will you make her whole? And we walked out into the waiting room and maybe five minutes later a doctor came out and said, she's gone. What happened? God answered that prayer. And sometimes God makes us well. And sometimes God makes us whole. But God is always there. And his plans never fail. And he always does what is right in the lives of those who belong to him. Finally, I think David would tell us this. Never forget there are lessons you can only learn in the valley. In those times when you're allowed to go through those seasons of struggle and challenge and hurt and pain, there are things God can only teach you in that sort of laboratory of faith. For instance, you learn that God wants you to live your life boldly and intentionally what David was saying with that statement was I am not going to be a person who lives their life in fear I'm going to live my life with boldness and trust in God whatever's going on around you you can live with the confidence that David displayed in the psalm that we read this morning Psalm 103 in the midst of all of the ways that God steps in and intervenes in the lives of his people, he says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. We are to confidently exercise the lessons that we've learned in the valley 
of the shadow. And recognize in the midst of that, God is teaching me things that I can only learn in places like this. Psalm 90.12 says this, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You know, of all the great disappointments in my life, probably my greatest disappointment is this. I thought by the time I reached this age in my life, I would be a very wise person. I just thought it would happen. And it never has. But you know what wisdom I have gained? I usually didn't read in a book. And I didn't learn it in the sunshine. And I didn't gain very much wisdom by everything going the way I wanted it to. Most of the wisdom that I've acquired over the course of my lifetime has been in those seasons of struggle. That's where you learn that you really can trust the Lord. That's when you discover he really is faithful. That's when you realize he never went anywhere. Because of that, you can live with confidence. When you realize your life has limits, then you seek to make a difference with every day you're given. You stop taking the most important things for granted. Bob Benson once said this. He said, the older I get, the number of things I'm willing to die for grows fewer and fewer. But the things I am willing to die for become more and more important. Isn't that good? Isn't that true? I know I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So between now and then, I need to make sure my life will count for Christ. Here's another lesson that you only live, learn in the shadows. It's in the valley that you discover the depth of God's love for you. It's only in the places where you need him the most that you discover how much Christ is with you. He's promised that when you're walking in the shadows, you will discover that he never went anywhere. With me is one of the most personal statements in the Bible. Heard a preacher say one time, we're all fond of saying something along these lines, Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all I need. But you'll never know if Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And then you'll discover Jesus is all you need. That good. That's a lesson you learn about his love. But you only learn it in the shadows. And you learn this lesson. In the valley of the shadow of death, you discover the extent of God's strength. That's because in the valley, you learn just how helpless you really are. 
when you're in one of those places where you can't do anything for yourself. We tend to forget that when the sun is shining. But in the shadows you learn again how much you have to have the presence of God. Always remember that death has no power in the presence of Christ. But he has all the power over death, hell, and the grave. He is the risen Savior. I'll never forget years ago, my mother's funeral. The pastor was doing exactly the same thing that I have done dozens of times in my lifetime. He was reminding us of the promises of John 14. In my father's house are many mansions. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And I remember sitting there listening as he was speaking at my mother's funeral and thinking to myself, you know, I've always believed that. But now I believe it for my mother. Wow. Wow. And then there's the greatest promise of all. Because of Christ, the darkness cannot last. In those times when you go through seasons of struggle and hurt and pain and loss, and you think it's never going to change, it's never going to get better, I'm stuck right where I am, we need to hear the promise. David says to us, you don't go to the valley of the shadow. You go through it. And there is light on the other side. And that light is the presence of Christ. God's plan is always waiting for you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What makes that passage so very important for each of us today? That little two-letter word, me. Me. Lord, you are there for me. You're protecting me. You deliver me. You care for me. And there is no dark place where you cannot reach me. Maybe you're here today and the truth is you've been trying to go through life all by yourself. You have told yourself, I can handle this all alone. I don't really need God. Let me tell you something. You can't do it. You can't do it. Sooner or later, you're going run to run into the end of your own hope. And all you're going to have is the fact that Jesus loves me. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him, not as Savior, 
You've never trusted him as Lord. Maybe today is the day when you need to simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've been trying to live my life apart from you. But I believe in you. And I know you're a Savior. Save me. And if that's what you need to do today, and in a minute when we stand and sing our invitation hymn, I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be here. We would love to help you have a he and me relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe God's calling you to be part of this fellowship. Or maybe there's another decision you need to make. What I know is this. He cares for you. He's there for you. All you need to do is come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. It's so good to be in God's house with God's people today. I look forward to seeing you tonight. You know, the Lord has been so good to us. We've had such great crowds on Sunday evenings, and we've had great weather. And this is what I hear. Tonight's going to be another great weather night, and then tomorrow it gets cold. Now, what is God telling us? Be here tonight for Andy Under the Stars. We're looking forward to it. Going to have a great lesson. Larry, isn't this your week? That's the world-renowned scholar that Rich was talking about. And we're looking forward to that. Got a snack that's going to take you back to your childhood. Really looking forward to it. I'll see you then. Let's bow together for a prayer. And then one final song. Father, we thank you that you're a God who is with us. 
in the best of times and in the worst of times and through all the times. And Lord, you never let us go and you're always faithful and you deliver us just when we need you. Thank you, Lord, for a God who shines his light in the valley of the shadow. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.